Hi, folks. Just a moment before we get this podcast started. Normally, at this time in the pod, you'd hear me and Greg Thomas talk, you know, about something funny, something we found amusing, something only maybe loosely related to Division Three. But I wanted to take this time right now to remember Mike Scala, the sports information director at Montclair State University, who passed away this past week, uh, about a week ago, by the time you hear this podcast, after having battled cancer for several years. Mike uh, leaves behind a wife and three kids. He was 51 years old, just a little bit older than I am. And, you know, Mike was the SID at Montclair for the entire time that we've had a D3football.com. The first year that we had a website, we were going out and broadcasting uh, playoff games. So we broadcast a, a game from Montclair. I remember memorably us broadcasting from a stairwell across from across the field from the press box um, and Mike working his butt off to make sure that we had all of the information that we need, that we knew how much telephone cord we needed to bring because it was 1999. Those were the sorts of things you had to do. Mike has been a great supporter of D3sports.com and obviously a great representative of Montclair State University, which is also his alma mater. So just going to take a moment to remember Mike, give our condolences to his family and the Montclair State University Athletics family as well. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Coleman. You have a very forceful handshake, Mr. Coleman. And Greg Thomas. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. It's the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. This is a weekly conversation about the things that are happening in Division Three football. We assume you've tuned in to hear about Division Three football. But if this is new to you, it's the non-scholarship division of the NCAA. There's 240 schools that participate in it, and we talk about it here. I'm Pat Coleman, the editor and publisher of D3Football.com. I'm Greg Thomas. I am the Around the Nation columnist at D3Football.com. Pat, as you are wont to say sometimes, this is the biggest division with the smallest schools but we are here it's week one things are kicking off today and i'm excited we got 16 weeks of this until we're going to crown a new champion maybe not a new champion maybe the same one but we'll we're going to find out in 16 weeks if you want to crown them then crown their ass that's going in there somewhere that's totally we're going to crown them we haven't had a good uh, denny green reference in a long time Podcast number 308, which means there are 307 previous podcasts. If this is your first one, it's not necessary to go back and listen to all of the previous 307. But I would recommend starting perhaps at uh, episode 302 and moving on forward. And if if it's unclear which one is 302, it's the one with uh, the 302 in the uh, title. We refer to podcasts by their numbers. At, uh, well, we spent the whole offseason talking to a bunch of new coaches of contending programs. And now the offseason is fully and completely over, as you said, Greg, games tonight. That's right. It's week one, September one. Seems like it works out for me, works out for you. It's easy to remember. I'm very excited. We've been waiting. It seems like the offseason has somehow been both really long and not long at all. But here we are. You know, we've previewed teams with new coaches. We've talked to teams who have been getting ready for this season and now... Here we are. Games to talk about, things to preview. 
The offseason is over, Pat. It's go time. It's game week. Oh, crap. I'm in trouble. You talk about the offseason not being quite long enough. I still have, like, on my list, as of the time we're recording this, which is a mere day and a half before, I need to get you my 20 questions predictions. I need to get you my quick hits predictions for the week. I am still trying to uh, find a bunch of broadcast links for Saturday. I spent and I set aside time last week to do this. I went through hundreds of Division Three school websites and they didn't have their links posted yet, which is unfortunately not unusual. Uh, so we're going back and doing that possibly as late as Saturday at you know 4 p.m. for those 7 p.m. kickoffs. But we'll talk more about uh, the week one games in depth coming up in a bit. But there are some great games right here, right out the gate in the first week of the season. That's right. Really, really heavy hitters. We've teased these kind of all all summer long. We've got some playoff caliber matchups, not just playoff caliber matchups, but like deep playoff caliber matchups. So, you know, you're going to see UMHB defending champions. They're hosting Muhlenberg to start off this season. That's a great matchup between really strong playoff teams. Wisconsin Whitewater's going over to Collegeville to play St. John's. That has been kind of a fun off and on series. Usually throughout the postseason, we've seen some really good games over the years from those. Now we're going to see one to start off week one. And that's four versus five in our preseason top 25. So that's about as that's about as good as you can get in week one. Absolutely. And just so you know, so Greg writes the Around the Nation column. That is our weekly national column here about uh, Division Three football. If you're looking for, you know, some of the high-level things, these are the important things going on in Division Three. Read Greg's column on a weekly basis. We also have a couple of features writers who we will call on on a regular basis. So you'll see a couple of new feature stories each week. We will do this podcast and we'll drop it in your feed or on your website or in your Twitter every Monday morning. From now through Stag Bowl week, we'll have quick hits. Those are our predictions. We've got a star-studded lineup of people who uh, come in and, and predict things that might happen over the course of the week. You can find those on Friday morning on D3Football.com. Hey, we have a top 25 poll that comes out every week throughout the entire regular season, and you can find that on the website starting at typically 5 to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. I feel like I've forgotten something, Greg, and I'm sure it will. Oh, team of the week, our weekly honor roll, which is the best player at each position across division three from the previous week. I still feel that like I'm forgetting something, but I guess it must be all that game day stuff. I think you're forgetting scoreboard Saturday, right? Links and scores to every game in division three, live stats, video links, game recaps. All of those things are linked right from our scoreboard page that we have a small little team of people that keep that up to date throughout Saturday. We built this site in the summer of 1999, modeled off of d3hoops.com, which has already been in production for a couple of seasons at that point, to basically mimic what there was at the time for Division One football, Division One basketball, a place you could find all the scores, all the schedules, that you could find a live scoreboard on Saturdays. You could find links to all the games. You could find every conference's standings. You could find a link to each team's official site. All of those things you can find on d3football.com, and that is still the core of what we do. We are a news organization staffed by news people who are doing this basically in their free time because every single one of us has a, another full-time day job. Boy, don't we. I've, I've learned that this week. <laughs> it never ends. 
We do understand, though, you may be new to Division Three, or you may be one of those people. There are many of you, we understand that, who took the entire offseason off. Or, you know, maybe you tuned out before the Stag Bowl. Maybe you tuned out before the Stag Bowl. Maybe you tuned out after the Stag Bowl, and you just did not keep up on all the news from the offseason. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to wrap it up for you here over the course of the next two minutes. With all apologies to Animaniacs and Yakko Warner. So UMHB won the national title and blew the 19 champs away. And 36 weeks later, offseason's over and let's all get ready to play. Coach Fred retired and Jeff Thorn got hired at D1, so both guys are gone. So how many coaches still left have a title? It turns out the answer is none. Ole Hilbert is taking the field this season with seven games all on the slate. And 229 others are hoping a postseason trip is their fate. Sorry, Nescak, let us know when you're ready for the playoffs. The carousel turned and coaches were spurned with many more moving around. Defiance keeps turning, Alvernia's learning. It's hard to get teams off the ground. Jim Collins is back in the bottom of the pack. He's new coaches at Bentley and Teal. Three guys from Columbia while UW Platteville. They gave an assistant a deal. Oh, and Whitewater's offense guy went up to Oshkosh and now calls the Titans his team. Then Titans assistants went 84 miles. So send make up the whole pointer scheme. There's the four coaches on the website. Three are former Oshkosh assistants. No one got drafted. Yes, D3 got drafted with two guys on free agent deals. While HSU managed to find an opponent for happier Playoff reveals the first one's obsession will make an impression with Whitewater up at St. John's, then hosting the crew while there's Muhlenberg turned Wheaton Tree, Chase Walnut, and Bronze. Hopefully COVID won't be a big deal and we can play all of our games. And 16 weeks later, we'll know all the scores. And then you can learn lots of new names. There's just no week one showdown for Mount Union. And here's what we have for the 22 season in route to Stag Ball 49. The crew down in Belton with defense reloading and Kyle King, QB Divine. The Raiders in Provo might almost be sleepers with two titles in the past nine. And you did double water, lost some big players, but probably looks to be fine. Remember, the Stag Bowl is now in Annapolis. That's where you're wanting to be. No matter what happens, at least more than just two teams. Have some good chances to win a few playoff games. If the committee will give them a bit so you better just go in your league. I'm just, I'm just impressed that you got it out. That, I... You talked about this earlier in the week, Pat. This was the brainstorm that was going to happen, the the season or the off-season recap. And wow, there it was. I, you know, from, uh, you know, idea nugget into reality, this is sort of, a, you know, liberal arts creativity at its finest. Here. <laughs> I forget how far back we have to go to get to the first parody clip on this show was the first one was uh quinn miners right uh, with his uh, the fake survivor song the fake training montage um there have been a couple of cents and yeah that's i don't know i think like we need to throw to a break here before so i can catch my breath That was a time of the podcast where traditionally we would recognize a sponsor. We are looking for sponsors, always welcoming sponsors who want to reach the Division Three football audience, whether that is coaches, student athletes, parents of people who go to college. Those are all people you could reach here on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, and you can email me for more information at pat.colon at d3sports.com. But we also need to thank people who have really helped not only – produce this podcast but keep d3sports.com sites in general up and running over the course of the past a little over a year and a half and that is our subscribers on the patreon service patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n is a service that people can use to essentially subscribe or provide a small to large monthly donation to content creators bloggers podcasters like us other artists uh, etc authors and provide them with that kind of steady stream of income. And it has definitely helped us not only get through each of the last couple of off seasons, 
where you know the advertising revenue on the site is not nearly so high because the traffic is not nearly so high. It has helped us budget. It has helped us plan. It has helped us be able to do things throughout the 2021 season and looking forward to doing some good things with it here in 2022. It does. We have our Patreon subscribers to thank so much for all of the support that they've given us keeping the site going. Helps us keep those things like the Saturday scoreboard going, manned and staffed, so that scores are being updated, links are being posted uh, in real time. Also helps to keep all of the other content that we just talked about, the Around the Nation, our other weekly features, uh, Team of the Week, all of that stuff isn't behind a paywall. We are able to keep that open and available to uh, everybody in the D3 community, thanks to our Patreon subscribers. And now is the time. If you're a subscriber, great. If you would like to subscribe, thank you so much. But now is the time. Go at your tailgates this weekend. Fire up around the nation and listen in your pregame and tell a friend about supporting the site. We appreciate all the support that we already get and invite um, much, much more. Yeah, so if you're in Collegeville and you're interested in offering me something in a red plastic cup, that's cool. Also, though, you could go to patreon.com slash d3sports and support d3sports.com that way. Or if your support is perhaps more of a one-time type of support, you could go to d3sports.com slash help. Back on the d3football.com Around the Nation podcast, number 308. We're getting you ready for kickoff this Thursday night. And... One of the things we're doing here is we're going to talk about uh, what are the things we're looking forward to this week, but also big picture. What are the things we're looking forward to this year in each of the six regions? And here to talk about regions one and two is Frank Rossi, co-host of In the Huddle, the podcast that is about the one and the two and a bunch of other regions. Frank, appreciate you joining us as we get ready for season number 49 of Division Three Football. Glad to be here. Uh, I mean, we covered the one, the two, the three, and then we go kind of uh, a glut on the four, five, six. But you know what? We have fun doing it and glad to be with you guys. I can't wait to see you in, uh, what, about 15, 16 weeks or something like that. It seems ever closer every time somebody mentions a date. Frank, tell us what's fun in the one. Fun in the one to me, the CCC is the most fun because you got Salve Regina exiting stage left after this season to the new Mac. And that means that you got a little bit of a grudge match. It was already a convoluted conference where you had Endicott, Western New England, and Salvia Regina going at it, among others. And so I think this gets to be really, really exciting action, especially with Salve Regina's fifth-year seniors coming back. Joey Moriello and company, I remember that name, the running back for Salve is back, and a lot of others are as well. So this could be a really interesting conference, as will be the MassCAC. Uh, you've got UMass Dartmouth, who really was starting to peak last season. It seemed like toward the end of the season. You've got Framingham State, who everybody counted out as dead at the beginning of the season last year, but they ended up going undefeated in the conference. So you've got those two teams and then others, I think, coming to the top of the MASCAC. So got some excitement there. Hey, and then also the new Mac, you can't look away from them as well in the one. So Frank, out in the one, Sort of the one team that we've looked at in the postseason from the one that has won some games a little bit here and there is Delaware Valley. Do you see anybody else from the one having raised their profile enough to possibly win a first round playoff game? Uh, you know what, Greg, JB and I were trying to figure out ways to, you know, get excitement built up in the Mac, but it just seems so tough to do because Delaware Valley seems to be so far and above the rest of the conference. And 
I don't think this is the year where we see another team necessarily peeking out in the back yet. Uh, maybe one of the New England teams finally gets through. I mean, we've had a New England team win into the second round before, but it was a New England versus New England matchup. We've never seen them win much of anything except for maybe about a decade ago. I'm trying to think back here. We may have seen Curry come through at one point, but it, it's very slim pickings, uh, as you're pointing out. I don't know if we see anybody win in the first round, but I don't think it's coming from the MAC. It may be a surprise to New England it happens from. I was just curious about the MAC too, Frank. Delaware Valley seems to have lost a number of guys. That defense was huge for them. And I obviously I know this is a program that has proven it can reload defensively. The Nobile brothers are back and presumably both healthy. I just don't know if they ever score enough points to really make a bunch of noise in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I I agree with you there. You know, I, I said this about Salisbury, and I'll say about DelVal as well. They kind of need a Wesley on their schedule during the regular season to know what to expect in the playoffs, I feel like. And we saw Salisbury really seem almost flat-footed against Johns Hopkins in that first-round game last year. I think DelVal is in that same kind of predicament where they don't have enough tests on their schedule right now to really know what's going to be coming at them and let's say maybe the second round of the playoffs because Del Valle can usually find a way through the first round game if they need to. I, I think it, the deep run, though, is what is really a tough thing for them ultimately with what's going on right now. All right, Frank, let's move forward and find out what's new in the two. It's new in the two, realistically, is a Liberty League that had a lot of graduations, but it looks like Ithaca's rising to the top right now in a lot of people's minds there, but this is one of those years where you could see somebody out of nowhere coming uh, out of the Liberty League to maybe win it. Uh, and the Empire 8 seems to be extremely competitive because Corland had a lot of graduations and Brockport has a lot of strong youth from what we've seen. And then, look, Utica, uh, who might be on their way to the Division 2, looks to be very strong with a lot of returners for their fifth year uh, this year as well. But I got to say to you, the, the real the conference I'm watching beyond just you know, looking at the two, but the entire country is the Centennial Conference. I think we saw enough strength in there throughout last year, especially in the playoffs, for us to really take a step back and see what happens. And this Muhlenberg game against Mary Harden Baylor, obviously we know who the favorite is, and it probably will not be a win for Muhlenberg, I'd have to say right now. But we get to learn just how good they are. Are they as good as what we saw against Mount Union in the quarterfinals in that overtime game last year or not? And with them closely matched against Johns Hopkins last year and Susquehanna making noise last year, I think it's going to be, again, a three-headed monster in the Centennial Conference, which if we get more than one team from the Centennial into the playoffs could be a real problem for the entire country. I think I agree with you there, Frank. The Centennial Conference, we, it's been very competitive and very fun for the last number of years. We've had a couple of teams advance deep in the playoffs. And really, if you've been a fan of this Centennial Conference, this is kind of the last go-round for the current structure. We're going to have some reshuffling. Some teams are going to be moving to the Landmark Conference. The Landmark Conference is going to be sponsoring football going forward. So kind of the last time that you're going to see some of these matchups that we've uh, started to circle on our Division Three calendars. Yeah, absolutely. You'd have to think that Susquehanna goes to the Landmark next year and becomes the immediate favorite. But yeah, this is really the last year where we're going to see Johns Hopkins, Muhlenberg, and Susquehanna, and assuming those are the three, the the three that have been the contenders for the past several years continue to do so. This is the last time we'll see that 
Agreed. And I, I think when you look at kind of the strength in recruiting that these teams have done over the last few years, especially, it might actually benefit the teams that we're talking about, these three in particular, because it's going to force them to get some more out-of-conference games, which might give them a better profile when it comes to playoffs later on. This has been the problem with the Centennial over time is that they have so many conference games that they don't get really uh, that out-of-conference boom or you know benefit that we see some of the other conferences able to get when they get better non-conference games scheduled. So I, I kind of think it benefits when you have strength like this, multiple teams. But look, I, I think the secret's out about the Centennial Conference. And for as much as we know there's not supposed to be subjectivity in the selection criteria, yada, 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 they did well for themselves last year. And I think that will not leave the memories of the committee. If you have two teams that are right at the top there, you know, one of which is the conference champion, one of which only has one loss ultimately. So we'll see how it plays out. Just another minute or two to talk about the two, but we want to touch on the pack a little bit. That's when I fell for leader of the pack. I know you guys watch the PAC pretty closely, <laughs> talking about uh, strong non-conference games. Of course, this being the last year that the pack plays non-conference games, at least for the immediate future. Carnegie Mellon people all up in arms, not being ranked in the preseason top 25 after winning that conference last year. But when I looked at my preseason top 25 ballot, Carnegie Mellon, Westminster, W&J, Grove City. I couldn't pick out who was going to be the favorite in the in the pack. And that doesn't even talk about a program like Case Western Reserve, which has been pretty darn good over the course of the last five or six years. What do you guys make of the pack? I'll start and say that I think Ryan Larson coming in uh, as head coach is uh, kind of a youthful breath of fresh air that uh, you know, Coach Lackner hands over the reins without, I think, much pause there, to be honest with you. Ben Mills comes back as quarterback, and I think that Carnegie Mellon is going to be actually a really strong, powerful team. But Westminster brings back Cole Kanichka as quarterback, uh, among many others uh, throughout uh, that team. And so it's... It's going to be, I think, a strong situation across the board, like you're saying. Ian Barr uh, on defense as well. I mean, look, right. I, I think you are right that it's a mishmash going on right now in the pack, and Grove City can never count them out anymore, it seems like, Case Western Reserve. It's going to be a good set of games among those teams, but I do think Carnegie Mellon, based on what they did last season, uh, is a slight favor in some people's minds. They were uh, at the top of the heap in my ballot, but obviously it didn't go that way when you uh, put the other 24 ballots together. But I think you, you probably see a pretty interesting, I think, first five weeks of that conference. To, you're not going to get any direction out of it until that point in time, I don't think. You can hear more from Ryan Larson in Podcast 306. Definitely. Carnegie Mellon, we're going to get a good, uh, a good sort of read on where Carnegie Mellon is at after the coaching transition this summer uh, hosting Whitworth from the Northwest Conference in week one. And Carnegie Mellon also goes to RPI uh, in their second game of the season. So, I mean, they have a decent schedule out of conference. We'll, we'll get to know a little bit about them, but obviously the fun really begins when they start playing those conference games. If you waited until Saturday morning to listen to this podcast, you have already missed that Carnegie Mellon-Whitworth game. Frank, appreciate you joining us, and I'm sure we will be talking plenty as this season progresses. Thank you, guys. See you soon. So, Greg, we ran down with Frank what's fun in the one, what's new in the two, and now we're going to talk about what do we see in the three 
And in the three, I'm keeping a close eye on the SAA. Obviously, the ASC is high profile, but I think the SAA can have a huge impact on the bracket just based on where their playoff team or teams sit geographically. Trinity, obviously, highly ranked in our poll, and I think the Tigers are going to be really good this year. But I'm not ruling out Birmingham Southern or Barry or even center. But I'm also going to send out our well wishes to center quarterback Trenton Duper, who will miss this season to receive cancer treatment. We're thinking of you, and we hope to be in touch to talk a little bit more about that over the course of the season. Yeah, we certainly wish Trenton well. I'm looking a little elsewhere in Region 3. I'm going to be watching to see how Bellhaven fares in the USA South. The Blazers have been steadily improving their results in the ASC, and they could be an instant challenger in the USA South. Huntingdon is a pretty clear favorite in that conference, but the Blazers did receive two first-place votes in the USA South preseason poll of coaches. So they're not just on my radar. The other coaches know what's coming. And then over in the ODAC, Randolph-Macon, they've kind of become the creme de la creme in a conference that we've often associated with wackiness. The Yellow Jackets were a walk-off Washington and Lee touchdown away from running the table last year. So we'll see if anybody in the Old Dominion can challenge Randolph-Macon and create the kind of standings chaos that we often see from that conference. It occurs to me that, you know, now we are just, you and I are just really accustomed to the fact that the four-region system became a six-region system and they just have numbers instead of, well, the only slightly logical uh, north, south, east, and west that they used to be. But you can find out which conferences in each region uh, by going to d3football.com, selecting the teams menu, and you can see a list of the teams in each region from one to six. We're moving on. To the four, what's in store in the four? And in the four, I'm looking forward to seeing the outcome of the MIAA race. Albion won that conference last year, but they lost Justin Thomas, its wide receiver, when he transferred to Eastern Illinois for his fifth season, his COVID season. This conference was pretty wide open last year, and I think even more so this year. Think about Albion, think about Hope, think about Trine. Can't rule out Olivet. You're talking half the conference right there. Yeah, and not just the MIAA, but I think the uh, NCAC and the HCAC are both conferences that also have multiple teams that can win an automatic bid and should provide exciting title chases. I'm getting those three-way tiebreakers ready already, Pat. We're going to start breaking those down in about pod 315, right? Uh, 309, 310. I'm just writing this down on the page 315 here. Right off the bat, we're going to get a key piece of Region 4 data when Rose Holman and DePaul square off in a rematch of last season's first-round game in Greencastle. And I think we'd be remiss here if we glossed over the OAC, actually. Uh, Mount Union, they appear to be a very good side this year with a lot of experience returning from their semifinal season in 2021. Braxton Plunk, DeAndre Parker, Wayne Ruby, those are all guys on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive standouts, Duke Hill and Mason McMillan, just to name those on the preseason All-American list for Mount Union. This is a team that can definitely win 15 games and win another championship. Something about McMillan's in defense, right? And Pat, don't edit out a whole bunch so that you can be right. Something about McMillan's in defense. There you go. Moving on, who's going to thrive in the five? I think the ARC has the best chance to be the most interesting conference in Region 5. Central, Dubuque, Wartburg, I think all have a good shot at thriving. And I'll be most intrigued to see how Central fares this year after losing, of course, Blaine Hawkins, Gilardi Trophy winning quarterback, and also just so many guys on defense. Yeah, you know, another spot in the five to watch and see what happens with the quarterback transition is going to be at Aurora in the NACC. I still prefer NAFCON. I think that rolls off the tongue a little better. 
The Don Beebe, Gavin Zimbelman pairing was instantaneously successful for Aurora. Don Beebe! And now we're going to see if Coach Beebe has had the, the time to build the depth that leads to sustained success. Returning All-American tackle Chris Toth is a great piece to start with. Uh, there are challengers here in the NAC. Benedictine has been particularly troublesome to Aurora. And in a league where scores look like arena league games often, even the favorites are susceptible to losing a shootout. The Spartans will get a big test this week when they travel over to Holland at Hope. I like NAFCON too, but if we don't call it the NAC, then I can't play this lick from my Sharona. Bye, 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 yeah, All right, Greg, what's in the mix in the six? Well, who's not in the mix in the WIAC? I think that's the question. Uh, I'm going to have my eye on the WIAC, not just because it is the division's best conference, but you've got four teams there, Whitewater, Lacrosse, Oshkosh, and River Falls that should all be competitive for the WIAC championship. Three of these teams are replacing accomplished starting quarterbacks. Only Kobe Bergammer of Oshkosh returns as a starter. Evan Lewandowski, who lit up the WIAC all the way back in 2019 while playing for UW Lacrosse, he'll be back this time as a starter at Whitewater. The season series between those four teams shouldn't be missed. You can also never count out the possibility of an upset from someplace like Platteville or Stout uh, to shake things up. Plenty of playoff caliber teams in this conference. How many of them are going to have the profile to be invited to the tournament is something we'll have to see. It isn't hard to envision this conference eliminating one another throughout their regular season. Lewandowski, definitely very interesting to me. Obviously, like you said, was amazing in 2019 at lacrosse. And then, you know, basically sat the bench last year at Whitewater. Like he had actually transferred to go out to go to a higher level school and then came back and decided to go to Whitewater. And he had limited opportunities last year at Whitewater as a backup. He didn't post really good numbers. I'd have to think, though, that this is a guy who once you give him the offense, he knows he's the number one guy. You actually give him the reins and the number one offensive line and the number one skill position guys to uh, work with that he's going to look a lot better than his numbers suggested last year for the Warhawks. You would think so. And we've, we've seen him be successful in this conference. So we, we know the potential is there. Changing quarterbacks, always an intriguing situation for teams that are trying to win national championships like Whitewater is. But, you know, Lewandowski seems to be um, an experienced guy. He's been, you know, played a lot of football, been in a lot of programs at various levels. And, you know, it's hard to see him struggling mightily for the Warhawks. They're in, they're in a good position, I think. Not just changing quarterbacks, of course, but changing offensive coordinators, as I sang about earlier. Looking elsewhere around the region, obviously Bethel and St. John's are going to be in the mix in the MAIC. I think the question is whether anybody else will be or whether we're just going to go advance straight to seeing a second Bethel St. John's game in Collegeville in week 11. That's after the regular season game between these two teams in Arden Hills in week four. Remember the MIC now in two divisions. There's enough crossover play, and the crossover play is limited. The top teams play the top teams in the other division. So Bethel and St. John's are on the schedule once and likely to face off again as they did last year. You can look at the Northwest Conference, too. You might think that Linfield will take a step back after graduating quarterback Wyatt Smith, but they have a bunch of key seniors who returned for extra years this year. And frankly, even if Linfield loses a step, they were multiple lengths ahead of the rest of the league last year. They won their average conference game by a score of 52 to 10. 
How about uh, the Skyac? What should we th- be thinking about in Southern California? I, you know, I think we're looking at an interesting Skyac season. Uh, Redlands last year's champion, they're replacing a quarterback. Chapman, they're replacing a lot of really good players. Dylan Keefe is the highlight there that Chapman has to replace and after a couple of really strong seasons from them. Claremont Mud Scripts, they beat Chapman twice last year. They were very close to beating Redlands last year as well. They could be a team that's in the mix. CMS, they just kind of maul you and run over you run first run all the time kind of like a real throwback kind of feel to a cms game those are probably the three teams in the mix in the skyac i don't know that there's a really great team in the skyac but it should be a fun conference race and uh, we'll see who comes out on top there as the skyac does a few crossover games with uh, the northwest conference in the first couple of weeks and also still the skyac scheduling some non-conference games amongst one another Moving ahead to take a look at what's happening specifically coming up this weekend in week one. It's time for our games to watch. We're just going to mark you all down for two games to watch right away. UW-Whitewater at St. John's, Muhlenberg at Mary Harden-Baylor. We mentioned them up at the top of the podcast, but the schedule allows for you to watch both of these in their entirety if you so choose. And in case you need suggestions, here are two other games to watch and mine comes entirely within the commonwealth of pennsylvania when number 15 delaware valley hosts westminster this is a trip of a scintillating five hours and 55 minutes on the pennsylvania turnpike or if you want to save four whole minutes and bore yourself to death you can make the same trip on i-80 i-80 has nearly put me to sleep multiple times but i'm looking at this as an early gauge as to where these programs are and you know whether westminster can prevail through the log jam at the top of the pack whether Delval can keep the Mac at bay. Could that someone be Mac the night? Delaware Valley's big questions are in the secondary and at quarterback, while Westminster's quarterback, Cole Konechka, has four starting offensive linemen back and most of the offensive skill position players as well. I also counted 10 Titan starters back on defense. That should be a fun game, and it can get your day started at noon Eastern time from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Or 9 o'clock Pacific time, a little breakfast and football on saturday morning i've missed it i can't wait i'm gonna leapfrog pennsylvania and head over to the finger lakes where wittenberg travels to play number 16 Cortland. this is a fun interregional matchup and should be a good measuring stick for both of these teams as frank mentioned earlier the e8 appears to be wide open and we'll see how Cortland begins their defense of the e8 title in the post breeze sagala era wittenberg is trying to find its place back among the division's better teams The Tigers, they haven't been to the postseason since 2017. Enter, or re-enter if you prefer, Jim Collins, who is returning to Division Three. Jim Collins, our guest in Pod 305, returns to his alma mater, hoping to find some of the success that not only Wittenberg has had in previous eras, but his own success at Capitol in the mid-2000s. This should be a fun game between a pair of strong programs, both navigating a bit of transition as they open the 2022 season. We're still revisiting whether uh, some of our tiresome categories... Your categories have become tiresome. Yes, I understand. Whether some of our tiresome categories will be retired, how we'll uh, rephrase some of these things. But as we're thinking about the rest of the games in week one, you know, obviously there's another 109 or so, whatever, that we haven't talked about. Like Wabash versus Hampton City. This is the Gentleman's Classic, right? Which are basically... Basically, I'm looking at you, St. John's guys. The only two men's schools in NCAA Division Three, 
you guys can talk to me about St. John's and St. Ben's all you want, and I'll talk to you about the merger and the fact that you guys attend each other's classes and all of that stuff. And you now have the same president, so there you go. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to Susquehanna like coming. That's, of course, the famous Stag Hat Memorial Trophy. Uh, John Carroll, W&J will be an interesting game. Baldwin-Wallace, Mount St. Joseph. Some people think Mount St. Joe's the best team in the HCAC. Baldwin-Wallace, obviously, in the upper half of the Ohio Athletic Conference, one of the top leagues in Division Three. Christopher Newport, Washington Lee. That was a great game in Week 1 last year. I know I've just rattled off a whole bunch of games. What else should we uh, be thinking about? I rattled them all off, didn't I? We're done. St. <laughs> Norbert and Ripon. That was a good rivalry when both uh, schools were in the, Nor- in the Midwest Conference. Yeah, and that's uh, the start of the start of the farewell tour for Coach Ron Ernst at Ripon, entering his 32nd and final year at Ripon. Red Hawks, they had a uh, really nice season in the Midwest Conference last year. We'll see if uh, they can get Ron Ernst into the into the playoffs in his uh, final trip around Division Three. We talked earlier, of course. We alluded to this uh, Whitworth Carnegie Mellon game as well. You know, Whitworth is making its longest trip ever to come out to Western Pennsylvania for this game. And it's definitely one to look forward to. Yeah. You like to see those interregional games. We don't get, we've talked about this before on, on previous podcasts, but we don't get a lot of interregional data to be able to compare and contrast teams and leagues in different parts of the country. So when we get Whitworth and Carnegie Mellon, which was a really good game last year in Spokane, we get a game like that. It really helps <laughs> It helps us toward the end of the season when we try to compare teams from different parts of the country. Helps the uh, folks who actually put together the NCAA playoff field as well. Goodness knows, goodness knows, they need as much help as they can get. And this was D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast number 308, released on September 1, 2022. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye on the rest of our coverage throughout the week. You can support production of this podcast and the D3Sports.com family of websites in general by visiting patreon.com slash D3Sports. But even if you can't afford to support us financially, you can help us out by telling a friend, a classmate, a fellow alumnus about the show. You can rate and review us in the various places where people rate and review podcasts. We know a lot of you listen on Spotify. That's great. Review us on Spotify. That's awesome. I know I've got Spotify on my phone and my TV and... Yes, we discovered over the course of the past week that I can talk to my television and ask it to play the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. So you can do that as well. Just go ahead and ask Alexa. I won't trigger that for you right now. You can reach us to talk more about Division 3 football on Twitter using the D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football. Greg is at Wally Wabash. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports. Did you know? Join the conversation by registering to post at d3boards.com, and you can follow d3football.com on Facebook. The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music is Power 2 by DJ Mentos, and we use more of his tracks throughout the course of this podcast. You can find them at djmentos.com as well as on Spotify. Thanks to Frank Rossi. Thanks to the originator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com, Keith McMillan. And, of course, thanks to my co-host, Greg Thomas. We need to curate a list of essential ATN pods for newcomers, yeah? I think so. I feel like, you know, we will have to... Some of them are obviously tied to very specific years, right? But uh, I said, I'm looking at... I'm looking for 287. Isn't that a key one? 
that's where uh, I apparently in 287 you coined the term lost column attrition. That's what I have on my. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> that's what I have here. Uh, I think we're still gonna do on the spot. I like on the spot. We should keep doing that, right? We should keep doing it on the spot. Uh, 286, you referred to potential balloting energy. Was it energy or inertia? Like a potential balloting energy, I think, because, like, uh, there. Okay. Uh, I don't really know what that means, to be honest with you. Um, you could listen to Pod 286 to figure that one out. I'm on a roll with creating my own at large analysis variable. That was. That was good. That was a good back-to-back -back week for sure. Stat of the week stays, right? You know what we need is we need people to vote. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll throw that on Twitter. Maybe you guys can just tweet at us. We know you love to tweet at us. Why don't you tweet at us? Someone will offer me something in a red cup, I'm sure. Does that happen often when you go to St. John's? It does. The St. John's people are a lot nicer than they were 20 years ago. There'll be a time to uh, to look at all this stuff and to reflect, but now's not the time. 